Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Good morning. Can you all hear me? Can you hear me at the back? <laughs> I looked out this morning and thought, wow, someone heard I was talking this morning. There's <laughs> a big empty bit there. <laughs> I'm very glad that you are here, and uh, we're going to have a good time. But also, I'm talking about something this morning that is quite serious, actually. Um, and so I'm very conscious that we all have uh, a wide range of people in here with different experiences in life. Some of us have gone through some really, really difficult things. Some of us are going through some really, really difficult things. Um, and I kind of want to explore that a bit this morning. We are currently about a third of the way through winter, which apparently becomes spring on the 20th of March. I wonder how you feel about winter. Do you like winter? Do you look forward to it, or do you dread it? Do you love the cold because it gives you a chance to wear those big jumpers and snuggle up in front of the fire, wear your favorite scarf, or is winter something you endure as a necessary evil because you'd prefer it tropical all the time? I think we might have a bit of a mix. Now, when Noah and his family left the ark in the Old Testament story, they are told, as long as earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So whether we like it or not, seasons and the seasons of life are something that we cannot avoid. So our challenge is how we embrace what each season offers to us. Now, I recently heard a term that was new to me, which is the term wintering. Has anyone ever heard of wintering? I'd never, I'd never heard of that term, but it interested me. And the concept of wintering engages with the idea that life has a variety of metaphorical seasons as well as literal ones. Now, if you've grown up in church, you may be well familiar with that, that we've talked a lot before about seasons. Um, but this morning, I want us to consider the season of winter in particular and the winter seasons of our lives and how we might find some hope and light in the darkness of this season so that we might winter well. Now, I read a book this week called Wintering. I say I read it, I listened to an audiobook of it, and it's really lovely, like, poetic language in it, but I listened to it at one and a half times speed because I wanted to get right through it. So it kind of sounded like this lady was, like, rapping the whole way through this really lovely book. Um, but in it, she writes this. Wintering is a season in the cold. It's a fallow period in life when you're cut off from the world, feeling rejected, sidelined, blocked from progress, or cast into the role of an outsider. Perhaps it results from an illness or a life event, such as a bereavement or the birth of a child. Perhaps it comes from a humiliation or failure. Perhaps you're in a period of transition and have temporarily fallen between two worlds. 
Some winterings creep upon us more slowly, accompanying the protracted death of a relationship, the gradual ratcheting up of caring responsibilities as our parents age, or the drip, drip, drip of lost confidence. Some are appallingly sudden, like discovering one day that your partner is in love with someone new, or your skills are considered obsolete. Skipped a bit there. The company you worked for has gone bankrupt, or your partner is in love with someone new. However it arrives, wintering is usually involuntary, lonely, and deeply painful. Yet, it's also inevitable. We like to imagine that it's possible for life to be one eternal summer, and that we have uniquely failed to achieve that for ourselves. We dream of an equatorial habitat forever close to the sun, an endless, unvarying high season. But life's not like that. End quote. So we all have these winter seasons in life, and I know for certain that some of us are in winter seasons right now. Oscar Wilde says, wisdom comes with winters. I uh, was looking out my office window this week, and I've got a variety of trees out the back of my office window. Um, if you think about trees, you'll know that they change with the seasons. And right now, they all seem bare. They're stripped back to the bones. The beautiful, attractive blossom of spring that smelt and looked so good is gone. The life-giving leaves of summer are gone. The hard-fought fruits of autumn are a distant memory that are either elsewhere, having been enjoyed by someone else, or are rotting on the ground. I wonder if you ever feel like the wintering tree. So does that wintering tree have a future, or should we just chop it down? Is the winter season an end, or is there another season in this cycle of life to follow? Now, I looked into trees this week that really interested me about how they survive winter. And the thing that really jumped out to me is that trees can survive extreme colds as long as their roots don't freeze. That kind of rings true, I think, doesn't it? So, could that apply to me? What are my roots? Uh, in music, you may not be familiar with this, but you have notes and you have chords, and chords are when you put a few notes together. And the root note of a chord is the sound from which all other notes find their identity and their function. The root of a word, when we look at the etymology of words, it's where the origin of that came from. So the root of something is where you find the meaning of something. So maybe the roots of my life are my reference points, the things from which I find my identity, I ground myself in, and identify my role in the world and how I find meaning. So, what if we considered this week, what are our roots? So Tolkien, the writer of Lord of the Rings, anyone read Lord of the Rings? He said this, all that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. So we've spoken before, and when I mentioned this to Joel this week, he said, oh yeah, that reminds me of dynamic faith versus static religion. So I just want to explore that for a moment, because we've explored the difference between subscribing to these static religious beliefs or pursuing the quest of a dynamic faith. Now, the problem I have when I interact with people or myself who has prescribed religious beliefs, is that they always seem too shallow for the realities of life. And remember, religion isn't necessarily Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Jedi, whatever you put down on your form. 
But religion is any system of inflexible, static beliefs that you are tied to. And we went on the walk and talk yesterday. I was bouncing this idea around with Mick and Jenny, who are in the back. Um, but it came, came up when we were chatting that actually the, the static religion that many of us have, that are the roots of our life, are what our parents handed us. It might not be anything to do with Christianity or Islam or anything like that. It might just be those static things that they told us. So this is a challenge. Are we handing out kids our roots that worked for us as static beliefs? Or are we encouraging them to find their own roots? It's not easy because the roots we've put down might not be what they need to put down. Because funnily enough, the world is a little different now than it was when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s. And it's different to what it was maybe 40 years before that. And I was speaking with some of my family recently. And you have my dad who was born just after the uh, Second World War. And then my sister who was born like in the 70s. And then her kids, who were born in the dawn of the internet, they now have the whole world on a phone in their hand. And that is a completely different soil in which to grow up, which might require completely different roots. So I think what dynamic faith looks like is about a quest. It's about whatever soil you find yourself in, rooting around to try and say, what is going to work and really bring life in this situation, not just what is my prescribed rights and wrongs of how you should live. So, uh, there's another quote which I think helps us with this. Plants and animals don't fight the winter. They don't pretend it's not happening and attempt to carry on living the same lives that they lived in the summer. They prepare, they adapt, they perform extraordinary acts of metamorphosis to get them through. Winter is not the death of the life cycle, but it's crucible. None of us kind of enjoy those difficult seasons of life that we go through, but it's an interesting thought that winter isn't the death of something, but it's the crucible of something. If you're not familiar with crucible, I was talking to someone this week, and they were like, what's a crucible? Um, a crucible is what metal is refined in. So when you're going to refine silver or something, you heat it up in a crucible, and under the pressure, the elements of that metal that aren't actually what that metal really is, they come to the surface. <laughs> Do you know what it's called when it comes to the surface? Slag. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I always find that really funny. That under pressure, often the slag in us comes to the surface. Um, <laughs> Do you know what that's interesting? Because in a, how often do we look at people when the slag is coming to the surface and we don't go, brilliant, this is a great moment in life in order for the, all the parts of you that aren't really you to be scraped off the surface so that you can become more like what you really are, more of a reflection of what you're made to be. We go, mm, hide that away, like, let that go down. Uh, this isn't a new anthem spoken about this many times in the past, and it's always resonated with me. Uh, the journey of life that we have is not an external one. Well, we often think it is, but it's an internal one of becoming more wholly human, as Jen was talking about recently. And our hope isn't found in finding those kingdoms of comfort that we're often looking for circumstances to be the way we want. And I guess that's like those summer seasons in life, isn't it, where everything's like, I'm on the beach and it's, I'm just chilling and everything's working and it's all fruity and smelling good. But it's those things where it's difficult. So the real gold and the real refined stuff in our lives is found in the removal of everything that isn't the image of who we really are. So we look at the trees in winter, and we don't chop the tree down, because we know, and we have faith, 
that the empty branches will soon be covered in leaves again and growing new fruit. So there's always hope to be found, as it said in the Narnia clip, even in the darkest of winters, because Aslan is on the move. Now, whatever you understand Aslan to be, I think it's something about hope and life, and there is a, a continuing source of life that is going to be regenerating. In the book of Hebrews, uh, the author writes about Jesus. He says, Jesus was the author and perfecter of their faith. And it was this phrase that jumped out to me, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Um, it's one of those things that when you're going through winter, you don't really want to hear because it's like, it's like, it's almost like a meme on Facebook that's like, I know your life's crap, but cheer up. Um, in the book, the lady was saying, sometimes Facebook memes can be like somebody standing in your face and saying, cope, cope, cope. Um, but sometimes those things can be helpful because they help you realize there is a light ahead to, uh, to look forward to and to know that there is a season following this difficult one. So perhaps winter is a necessary season in which we are stripped back to work out what's within and perhaps what's not within. What if winter is our opportunity to see what can't be seen through the leaves, the fruit, and the flowers of the previous season? What might just be revealed in winter is the framework we are shaping our lives around, and we then have the chance to evaluate it. So part of wintering well might mean embracing the idea that all of the seasons of life can work together for our good, and that there is light of revelation to be found in even the darkest season. And we've got some songs that can follow on from that. Thanks. Love that movie. Okay, if happiness is a skill, then sadness is too. Perhaps through all those years at school or perhaps through our other terrors, we are taught to ignore sadness, to stuff it down into our satchels and pretend it isn't there. As adults, we often have to learn to hear the clarity of its call. That is wintering. It is the active acceptance of sadness. It's the practice of allowing ourselves to feel it as a need. It's the courage to stare down the worst parts of our experience and to commit to healing them the best we can. Wintering is a moment of intuition. Our true needs felt keenly as a knife. Which is another quote from this book that I read this week. To be honest, most of the things that are any half-decent that I might say this morning were from that book, so it's well worth reading if you'd like to. Um, Jenny asked me this week when I said I was going to talk about this to consider what the winters of my life might have been so that obviously it becomes personal and so you can then speak about it from the heart and not just theory, which is, is easy to do. Um, so I thought back, and I've been quite fortunate in my life and think, well, I haven't had many massive catastrophes but I thought back sometimes to the earliest thing, and I think sometimes the earliest moments of our life and the things that we found difficult in children maybe set some things in motion that affected how we deal with everything else in life. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little, bit, a little bit of a story. When I was 10, I had this year in my life where I experienced what now would probably be diagnosed as social anxiety. Um, but essentially for a year, I was consumed with the fear that my family were going to die. Every time they went in a car or on a plane, I, was, I would be like, run to the toilets at school because I'd think that they were going to die and I'd never see them again. Um, and the other element of this season for me was I was absolutely petrified that I might not believe all the things that I had been raised to believe uh, in a Christian family. 
I would use the phrase to my mum, I'm having the doubts again, <laughs> as if it was some illness or something like that. Um, and I'd have nightmares about like monsters that were coming to get me. Um, I was generally fearful and anxious around people, and I did, didn't know how to be around people. Um, now, what's interesting, thinking back to that winter period of my time, uh, of my life, was how I navigated that because of the culture that I was in at the time. Because the culture, I think, probably back in the late 80s, early 90s in Christian culture, was that you weren't necessarily encouraged to feel your sadness um, or your own thoughts or feelings and get to the root of why you felt them. But I think I was more encouraged to consider that these thoughts and feelings I was having were an attack from an enemy that was out there somewhere. So they weren't my thoughts, they were like being fired at me. And that the answer to deal with them wasn't for me to accept that they are mine and try and figure out where they were coming from, but it was to fight them with Bible verses and beliefs that I was being handed, which weren't truths that I had come to and found. They were somebody else's. So my feelings weren't mine. They were, <laughs> they were somebody else's. And truth wasn't mine. It was somebody else's. And that was quite revealing for me this week because I think I've avoided winters like actively in my life and avoided discomfort um, because I think uh, it, was, it was never something that was mine. It was always like, well, I've got a quick fix of a Bible verse or a bit of positive thinking. So you never really then have to go through the thing because you've just got this, da-da, everything's fine answer. Uh, it might also be why I sometimes struggle to make decisions because if you've never actually had to graft through difficulty yourself and you've always been handed an answer, you don't really have to graft out your own ideas and then you can maybe lose decision-making skills along that process. Um, here's another quote for you. In our relentlessly busy contemporary world, we are forever trying to defer the onset of winter. Some of you might do this. Some of you might not. This might resonate more with some than others. But she says, we don't ever dare to feel its full bite, and we don't dare to show the way that it ravages us. An occasional sharp wintering might do us good. We must stop believing that these times in our lives are somehow silly or a failure of nerve and a lack of willpower. We must stop trying to ignore them or dispose of them. They are real, and they are asking something of us. We must learn to invite the winter in. We may never choose to winter, but we can choose how. Um, yeah, so I think I've seen winter seasons as something to avoid and escape in my life, and I've done my best to do that. But... Winter cannot be avoided, really. It's one of those seasons like we're in the middle of it right now. And so we need to embrace uh, what it offers, as painful as that might be. Learning the truth about who we've been being and how we're seeing the world and letting that come to the surface. Because I think it's often the catalyst to change and finding out who we really are. So another thing that I think winter might offer is rest and an opportunity to renew. Now, this is another thing that I find difficult. I find it really difficult to rest. We were talking about this this morning. Sometimes it's just hard to stop or turn off our minds. And I get a lot of value from my um, activity and things that I'm achieving, and that's sometimes, that's sometimes my roots that I find I've, I've rooted myself in what I can achieve. So then it's hard to ever stop because that's what you're growing in. Um, I love playing football, that's probably another thing I might find my identity and I'm quite competitive um, 
But recently I twisted my ankle about four months ago. So then I had this whole period where I, I was forced to rest. And it's probably the first time that I've ever had an injury that just didn't heal like that. So then you're forced to go through this period of stopping. And sometimes that's not an easy thing to do. I think it's important that we're kind to ourselves in our winter seasons. Um, do you remember when um, Joel interviewed Hannah on the stage? And one of the things that really stuck with me from that was about the concept of Sabbath and rest in Jewish culture. And it was the fact that when they go to bed, that's the beginning of the day. And the idea that you start with rest, which is something that Anth's spoken to us for years about, the idea of rest isn't just taking off a Sunday. It's a way of living life where you start from a place of everything's okay. Everything is going to be all right because you know there's a season coming. If you look at a tree in winter, there's no leaves and there's no fruit and there's no flowers. You're kind of, you don't go up to that tree and be like, come on, grow some fruit. You know that in that season of its life, it's a ridiculous expectation. And I wonder whether we often have an expectation of ourselves to like constantly be in summer season and maybe part of being kind to ourselves is accepting that Life is a cycle and it goes round and you have seasons that are productive and creative and then you have seasons that aren't. And maybe those seasons are actually just as productive as the ones that seem productive because they're where things are being nurtured and things are going on underneath the surface. When we realize, when we rest, sorry, we realize that we aren't defined by our abilities or our appearance or our achievements. Maybe we realize that we have defined ourselves by those things, and it might be a chance to decide whether we want to or whether we want to change that. I am quite conscious that time is getting ahead of me, so let me just consider whether I want to drop some bits and bobs. Yeah? Okay. Um, okay, I think this is another important bit. In winter, it's a time to relinquish and refuel. The leaves of a tree are what energizes it and what help it process life. I wonder if another thing to consider, not just what are your roots, but what might your leaves be? What are the things that energize you and get that source of life for you? The leaves, the blossom, and the fruit that fall from a tree are broken down and turned into fuel and nutrients for future seasons. This is one of those things that theoretically sounds like, oh, wow, that's amazing. But when you're actually losing the fruit that you've worked so hard for in your life, or you're losing the leaves that are the things that have been your source of energy, it's the hardest thing. All you see is the loss. Um, so what do we do when our leaves leave? The things that have been the, the connection point and the life source for us. How do we process that? How do we allow the potential pain of the loss to become that fuel for our future. Sarah was saying when we were chatting about this the other day that one of the things that they celebrated in times gone by around winter solstice, was it that? That was the idea that life was returning to the earth, which is a fascinating way of looking at it. Not that you're losing something, but that life is actually coming around in a different form. Uh, the Buddhist concept of clinging relates to this as well. It's about how we suffer when we won't let go of some things. And the changing seasons remind us that the state and appearance of life is temporary. Seasons teach us that whilst the cycle of life goes on, the appearance of life is constantly changing and may well be temporary. I've got a song that I'd like to play you now. Um, 
that's all about how life is temporary. And I think it, it throws some pictures out there and invites us to savor life in the state that it is in. Because it's not going to be there forever. You know, like this moment this morning, we have something unique. And then it will become a different moment. So savoring things is a way, I think, of making the most of life. This quote says, Life is, by its very nature, uncontrollable. We should stop trying to finalize our comfort and security and instead find a radical acceptance of the endless, unpredictable change that is the very essence of this life. Our suffering comes from the fight we put up against this fundamental truth. It is a fascinating process, isn't it? There's something that's the tiny little crawling caterpillar with all those legs becomes this butterfly. It's something we can almost get too familiar with and be like, yeah, I know that. Like, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? Uh, this was uh, something that we've used before, actually, I found on our system. People talk about caterpillars becoming butterflies as though they just go into a cocoon, slap on some wings and are good to go. Caterpillars have to dissolve into a dis disgusting pile of goo to become butterflies. So if you're a mess wrapped up in a blanket right now, keep going. Uh, metamorphosis probably feels like a winter for a caterpillar. In that fascinating paradox that's going on, caterpillars have everything they need to be butterflies, but they aren't butterflies yet. There's actually a process that needs to happen. I wonder if you said to a caterpillar, hey, you are all you ever need to be. It would be true, but also not true. They have everything they need, but also there might be processes to go through in order to fulfill their potential. I wonder whether sometimes we avoid the process because we just think, hey, I'm, I'm fine just as I am, which we are, but also we aren't. And there's one of those paradoxes of life, isn't it? Um, I woke up with a memory this week. I found it fascinating what happens at the beginning of the day, as soon as you wake up, the thoughts that come in your head. And I had this memory of a, a time when um, someone who I love very much in my life was going through a really difficult time. Um, people had left them on the project they were working on. And I heard this news, and what I said immediately was, oh, poor guy. Um, now, I don't know where it came from, but something, a voice just hit me straight away, questioning that thought. Not that it wasn't difficult, not that I wasn't sorry that they were going through that, but the thought that came to me was, they're not poor. Why do you think they're poor? What, what are we saying when we say that someone is poor? Now, it's kind of a turn of phrase that we use to say, I'm really sorry that they're going through that, and I empathize. I wonder, though, sometimes whether the mindset that comes with difficult times is, I don't have everything I need. And the challenge that came to me in that moment was, actually, you might think, oh, poor guy, but actually, this might be the making of this person that you love, and this might be what really forms them into butterfly season, which, again, is, is something that theoretically sounds lovely. When you're in the nitty-gritty of it, that is difficult, but maybe it's something to grasp in the nitty-gritty when we start thinking, oh, poor me. It's like, really poor me? Or have I just, have I really grasped everything that is within me and everything that I have at hand? There's that phrase, isn't there? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if the kingdom of heaven is all the potential of what life can be, that's a lot at hand. Uh, the thing I loved in that video was imaginal discs. I don't know if that jumped out to you, but when the caterpillar starts to become the butterfly, what's released in it is imaginal discs. Uh, the idea of imaginal is the word imagine and the word image. It's like 
Each of those discs are the image of the leg. They've got everything they need to become the leg or the wing or anything. I find it interesting, imagination as well. When you're in a winter period, is it a time to stop, step back, and imagine what the next season could be? Okay, I think it's time to wrap up. Maybe what winter offers us is a chance to stop and imagine. And faith is looking beyond the things that are going on around us to embrace a new reality. In winter, the potential of spring is always present. And if you look closely at a tree right now, you'll actually see all of the buds on the tree ready for spring. We are in midwinter right now, but the potential for the next season is right here. I spoke to my dad this week, and he told me about a phrase I'd never heard of before. It's called vernalization. Uh, he said, when a seed goes into the ground, some seeds have to go through a frost before they are able to flower. It's this process in agriculture and also in gardening. Sometimes in hot countries, people have to put their bulbs in the fridge for six weeks, because if they don't, they won't flower. There's something of a process that we need to go through sometimes that is difficult that releases the potential in us. So here's a quote to finish. Here is another truth about wintering. You will find wisdom in your winter. And once it's over, it's your responsibility to pass it on. And in return, it's our responsibility to listen to those who have wintered before us. It's an exchange of gifts in which nobody loses out. So as we find ourselves in difficult seasons, I hope we can winter well. I hope our roots can go deeper. We can rest, renew, find revelations, let go of what needs to be relinquished and be kind to ourselves and refuel so that we can come out of the other side with a resurrection. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest.